So I think the biggest key is kind of you need variety within your program. Don't just keep doing the same old stuff. Shock the body. That Trap on Show, episode 77. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and on today's episode, I talk with legendary former time trialist and turned triathlete, actually, and uh, in particular, triathlon and cycling coach, Matt Bottrell. We'll discuss how Matt's cycling coaching helped Tim Don smash the record for the fastest ever Ironman-branded race this summer in 2017 in uh, Brazil, which included a 4.06 bike split. We talk about the steps they took, which is the same kind of pathway that Matt takes with the age group athletes as well. Initial assessments and uh, getting the lay of the land creating an action plan and then monitoring and moving along and having repeatable tests to to check the progress. And uh, yeah, the main takeaway is probably the importance of your bike position and training to hold that position and generate power from it while staying very, very aerodynamic. That's sort of Matt's sweet spot, his area of expertise. So definitely something you want to tune into. Before that though, this episode is sponsored by Precision Hydration, a study that I'll link to in the show notes of over 400 amateur athletes showed that around 31% of them were turning up to training and racing dehydrated and Andy Blow from Precision Hydration wrote a detailed blog post on how to start your training and racing hydrated and why that's so important for performance. So again, see that link in the show notes to get to the blog post, which is very, very good and detailed. I use PH1500 for preloading before all my races and before key workouts. And you can get that or any other precision hydration products for 15% off when you use the discount code that triathlon show, all one word, all caps, on precisionhydration.com. Now a few quick words about Matt before we start the interview. He is a UK-based former elite cyclist, a very handy triathlete, and a fantastic uh, coach in cycling, triathlon, and duathlon. Among his career highlights as an athlete are the fastest times ever ridden in the UK for 50 miles, and for 25 miles, the second fastest ever 10 mile time trial. Those times, by the way, 1740 for 10 miles, 4543 for 25 miles, and 13443 for 50 miles. Plus, he has countless wins and course records to his name. He founded Matt Bottrill Performance Coaching in 2014 to bring his training principles and also his bike fitting expertise to the bigger audience. And his coaching career highlight is without a doubt coaching Team Don's cycling to the fastest ever Ironman result in history in an Ironman branded race with that 740 result in Brazil this summer. So let's hear how he did that and as always... Of course, grab the takeaways for us normal mortal age groupers, which uh, Matt was very good at distilling. Matt Bottrill, welcome to That Triathlon Show. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. It's good to uh, touch base. 
Yeah, it's brilliant to have you. I came across your work in uh, and your past history as well in time trialing when uh, when I saw Tim Dunn's uh, fastest ever Ironman branded Ironman race in Brazil this summer 2017. He had a 7 hours 40 minute results and a bike split of 40656 and when I started digging deeper into that I found out about you and that you have been working with uh, with Tim on his cycling specifically and uh, his uh, running and swimming is uh, is under the watchful eyes of Julia Dibbons but uh, that's correct yes yeah so so you've been involved for how long with uh, Tim's uh, co- cycling coaching uh, I started working with Tim it was uh, back in 2016 it would have been July July 2016 he kind of approached me and uh yes yeah just progressed from there really yeah so you had a a good year to to work on things and how how did you start when uh, when tim first got started with you what kinds of initial steps and initial assessments even did you do to to set the baseline it's just uh, the same assessment as you give everybody. You know, it's kind of uh, we look at the individual, so we power profile them, uh, analyze kind of the data. What goes What goes into the power profiling? What different uh, at what different durations, and and how do you do that more specifically? Uh, it's kind of just looking at past history. It's like for me, I'll, I'll look at all the times that they've uh, spent in specific training zones. Uh, you know, it's uh, looking at how they race. It's looking at every every kind of fine detail, you know. It's kind of seeing, not only looking at, I think, where a lot of training goes wrong. Everybody just thinks of what the demands of the race are rather than uh, kind of the train and, uh, the, you know, like kind of course profiling. How do you train for the demands of the event that you're racing for? And I'm not, you know, there's no such thing as kind of, riding at one even pace if that makes sense so yeah yeah so in addition to the power profiling looking at the the history uh what were the other first steps uh that that you took in in those first few uh weeks or whatever it was when when you first got started kind of just working out uh kind of, yeah looking at tim's position on the bike obviously that's a key factor looking at uh you know how you know we always look at our athletes' pace races. Uh, it's kind of looking at every detail, the setup of the bike, the setup of the athlete. Uh, just every, you know, I'm a big believer in trying to find one all, all the one percent possible. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that's kind of how, how I break it down. All right, and uh, yeah, we'll get back to that uh, the bike position and setup a bit later in more detail because that's uh, one of your specialties and and training that uh, to to be able to generate power and hold that for for a long duration. Yeah. But uh, after taking those initial steps, uh, I I guess you put some sort of uh, more long term and short term action plan together. So so what kinds of things did you did you decide to to work on and what were the goals and the the objectives long-term and shorter term as well so it's the same for everybody you know you've got to kind of it's kind of looking at what that athlete wants to achieve and then you know it's kind of once you know what their specific goal is then you kind of work back from that uh and then ultimately you know you're looking at uh building uh building the, the you know the training program 
that's going to make them peak for these specific races. You know, and I know it's, you know, it's like what is realistically in terms of peaking, and I would say it's three times a year. So, you know, for, for Tim, it was kind of working out what the peaks were going to be within the season, and then me and Julie sitting down and working backwards from those. Yeah, and uh, so so what on the bike specifically? What what? How much did you? What did you like engineer backwards from? Did you know certain power numbers, or or was it more specifically race times that you uh, knew, or splits? I should say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you kind of looking at you know previous what you know I was kind of work initially. It was kind of working out what you know what is the ultimate Ironman. And you know, a world professional level, and then you know, the great thing about athletes in you know in triathlon, they kind of give a lot of data away. So once you know what it kind of takes to win, then you can kind of work back from that. So uh, you know, it was kind of for me, we were looking at uh, not just no. I think everybody just gets obsessed with like you know, they'll see a number an athlete produces, but then they don't take into factors of like the you know the power to weight of the rider the aerodynamic drag of the athlete and that's kind of what you know what we were doing uh i was looking at what what was it going to take to win these races do you have a specific way that you determine the aerodynamic drag do you use uh, even wind tunnels perhaps or or do you estimate it based on different protocols or use something like best by split yeah, well, yeah, you can use things like best bike split. There's things like golden cheetah you can use, and then, uh, and it's kind of what, yeah, and obviously wind tunnel data, track data, you know. But it's also kind of taking in how how realistic it is to hold that uh, position for the entire race, and it's kind of how I look at it. Is I know, it, you know, you can get data from the, you know all these devices but ultimately what you're trying to do is uh you, you're trying to give a, the, the athlete a pacing strategy and it, so it's my strategy is kind of how knowing how to use speed power and aerodynamics and once yeah i know what the, the athlete's doing right and wrong then i can give them set you know specific sessions within training to get them to adapt to you know uh riding uh, in, in different positions if that makes sense yeah so so what were like the key the, for the biggest goals that you needed or the biggest improvements that you needed to make was it more on the aerodynamic side or on the power side or a combination of an it's kind of a combination of the two you know it was looking at uh yeah it, it was definitely two and, and you know it's like what my what you know what is my strategy it's kind of how do i get anybody i'm working from uh, you know anybody I'm working with is trying to get them from the start start line. Uh, you know from the point of A to B in the fastest time possible. And it doesn't all just come from one element. You know it's kind of it, it's it's every fine detail if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, okay. So and you have said already many times that this is the same kind of approach that you that you take with with age groupers that you that you also work with. Is that that's right? Yeah, absolutely. You've got to look at, you know, it's like, you know, you look at the individual, uh, whether they're a professional athlete or an age group athlete. And the kind of, uh, I think where a lot of training goes wrong is they kind of look at, they'll say that, right, you're you're doing 70.3, you're doing Ironman, you might be doing sprint triathlon. And then they, they think about the race. Uh, they don't think about the demands. And a lot of people, I don't think they think about 
how individuals adapt to training in different ways. Uh, and that's what you've got, you know, that's what's great being, you know, about analyzing data and, you know, downloading your, you know, your own ride and looking at past history because everybody kind of adapts to training differently. Uh, so can I, can I ask you, Matt, what, what do you mean when you say that uh, people think about the race, but they don't think about the demands? What, what do you mean by that? The demands in this case? Yeah, so the demands, you know, it might, you know, it might be that there's a hill in it on, on the course, uh, you, you know, kind of the, the core profile. Thinking about the training, not just thinking about, right, you're going to set this hour. That's it. It's kind of knowing, uh, yeah, it's, it's looking at all the course itself, if that makes sense. And then knowing where to yeah. uh, optimize speed, power, and aerodynamics. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, brilliant. And and we've actually just recently had uh, Stephen Chung on in a two-part wow, interview. Yeah. He's the author of Cy- Cycling Science and and we talked about that a little bit how like for example on a on a flat course how much of it or the power you need to generate is to overcome aerodynamics and how that changes when you get on a certain degree slope and and how that can play into your uh your race strategy yeah. so you so see yeah that's a big thing yeah absolutely and i think the biggest thing you know it's like you know i get a lot of data from when people have you know they've been to the winter or, or track or whatever uh but they don't uh what, what you've got to do is you get this data and you get this position and you might get this cda number you might have this power number but you've also got to train the body to be able to hold these positions. So that's another thing that I kind of do with the training that we're giving people. So, uh, we've got to do drills, and you know, that, that's the biggest thing. You know, I, you know, I came into triathlon and I, you know, I know, uh, you know, I could see when I first came into it, everybody kind of, uh, you know, you ask somebody out to swim when I first started, everybody told me, you need to catch a water this way. You need to, you know, you need to hold your hand in this position. But ask somebody then, so how do you ride? Like, you just say, you get on it and you try to hold position. But it's the same kind of strategy. <laughs> You've got to break, you know, I break the, 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 the rules of the training exactly as you would in swimming. <laughs> Yeah, so so that that's an interesting, very very good point on, or points that you that you make there. So let's say that you start working with somebody and you change their their bike position to get more out of them aerodynamically, and and then you need to to train them to be able to hold that position for the duration of the race and the demands of the race, uh, which uh, may also come into play there. So so what's that training process like? What what does it take to to get used to that? And and then how extreme can you go with an age grouper that has a limited time on the bike for example so you might not be able to make the same adaptation to a more extreme position that a pro that can spend hours and hours on the bike uh, so can you tell, tell me a bit I more think, I think it's, the same, uh, it's the same you know you, you know you say that but i think the biggest area that most athletes make is they don't spend enough time on the bars you know we can look at like you know obviously we know that it's kind of narrowing the shoulders holding the head in, in a good position is keep it the first phase is spending more time on the bike or the position that you're going to race in and that's where uh most people get you know they'll get obsessed with like uh you know that their power number but what they to get hit that power number they'll probably come out of their time trial position so it doesn't if you're restricted on time then basically you should be doing more on your base setup and thinking about all these elements it's i don't think you know even if you've got like i don't know like you can do two rides a week then if that's all you've got then you've got to optimize the time that you're spending in the time trial position yeah, and and that's so. When you say that, what what exactly does that mean? That you do you got to optimize that? Does that mean just so? It, uh, so it's kind of doing. Uh, so it's you know initially for most people it's being to being able to stay in the time trial position without moving out of it. Then after that phase, it's kind of looking at how you hold your shoulders and how you hold your head. 
And once, you know, or training, you know, one of the biggest things I always tell athletes is, right, you know, we set them up in these positions or they'll give me winter data and I'll say, right, you know, this is your magic number, this is your CDA. But what you've got to then be able to do is is train that position in front of the mirror. So that's a good, you know, it's kind of if you start looking at your position in the mirror, you'll start, you can start making changes to it and see how narrow you can get yourself. So it's kind of looking at all those elements. Yeah, you just removed Netflix from from all the listeners' indoor training sessions now, and now they need to replace it with a mirror. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's it. You know, everybody's going on, uh, you know, is it Zwift and all this kind of stuff where, yeah, get a mirror, put some tunes on yeah, and yeah. Uh, watch yourself. <laughs> it's but, quite, quite vain, I guess, but that's how you're going to ride faster. Yeah, but I agree. When you when you train for a very limited time, then uh, you really need to to make those hours count and uh, in whatever way you can. And and if if that means being one hundred percent in the moment and focusing on on how you on your position, then uh, then that's that's definitely one of those ways that you can get the most out of that very limited uh, time for training. You can get away with more if you have more hours to train and and still perform at a high level. Yeah, absolutely. But this is the time of year, you know, we're just coming into like this winter phase. Obviously, some people are still racing, but a lot of people can go back to basics. It's like with swimming now, a lot of people will do that. But it's kind of now, you, you know, even if you're just, you know, riding your bike at like zone two, you can still be doing specific sets to get you, you know, into a better position. And that's what you should be working at. You know, that's what you should be working on. It's kind of like, these are my weaknesses. Uh, you know, it might be produce more power or, or whatever it is you've got to look at you know to progress you've always got to train your weaknesses yeah and uh, so when you say specific sets does that just mean spending a few minutes like really really trying to nail your position and then relaxing a bit for for a time in between or or do you have any I, I, absolutely i would just say it's you know small you know so it might be you you know shoulders uh like you know you might only be able to hold i don't know like 20 seconds or or, or a minute and it's gradually progression now so you might say you might do 10 sets today of a minute within uh ideally i'd say that you want to progress it same as you do like an interval where you do so much on so a minute on probably two or three minutes off and then you go again and then you you know initially you start narrowing the gap in between uh the recovery periods and that's how eventually, you know, the first phase hit is if you can hold like then 10 minutes in aero position, you made a, a significant step forward. Then you might be able to do like two sets within a, I don't know, maybe an hour's session. So, yeah, it's gra- gradual progression is the key. Mm, yeah, brilliant. What about uh, the role of power and uh, training to be able to sustain power in that in that position? How, like, do you take away a significant amount of power when you set people up on their more optimal new positions and then they gradually get it back by training in that position or do you try to adapt the bike fit so that you go until up until the point where power starts to drop significantly and then you just want the athlete to learn to sustain holding that power for longer in that position but they haven't actually lost a lot of power maybe just a little what what's your take on that Initially, it's kind of, you know, I think that there's a trade-off that you'll drop power. And if you go too aggressive, then you'll lose a lot of power and the trade-off in aerodynamics not, might not be worth it. But that's the biggest thing with aerodynamics and power is there's always going to be a trade-off between the two. 
uh, and but that's when it comes to doing different tests in different positions and the you, you it's kind of finding that sweet spot and that's that's a matter of looking at every you've got to keep analyzing data and speeds and uh yeah that can be it, it, it's hard and i would say that a lot of people do lose power but generally most people you know they'll get it back uh but if you go too aggressive too soon then uh yeah you've got to you've got you've got to work out what the trade-off trade-off is and there's not like a magic answer for that because again everybody is so different so do you have one specific tip for like following monitoring that that progress of and the trade-off between aerodynamics and power like is it actually going to the track and comparing times and power and plotting those out or is is there one way that somebody listening to this can uh, get started with being more more aware of this it's kind of it's repeatable tests that you could do like a repeatable tests whether it be uh, uh you know like on a, on a like a, a stretch of road you know that you use you know it's, you, you can analyze it that way uh that that's probably one of the best things using like uh, you know it's like you, you uh, using, uh, I don't know, we like use a bike. You can do specific tests on that where you, you do a, you know, you could do a run for like four minutes or five minutes and just see what the trade off is. Uh, that you, you've got to just do something that's very repeatable. I think that's the way, you, you know, to, to be able to yep. do that. Uh, but yeah, and yeah, you, yeah, you can get, you can get crazy with that, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right and uh let's uh, move into the training the actual training and uh, improving fitness a little bit because um yeah as i mentioned in the intro you have a, a very very strong background in time trialing and has set all sorts of records uh and uh, won all sorts of victories on uh in the uk you're a bit of a legend in in that field so what what are if you can give just uh three short tips in terms of bike training and, and improving fitness, not related to aerodynamics or bike setup or anything, just the training part? Uh, I, I'm going to say one of the key elements is that I would always say that a lot of people spend way too much time in, you know, like kind of no man's land. And I would say that that's like zone, you know, it's like zone one. Uh, I see a lot of that, especially this time of year. But kind of to get the biggest adaption, I would say that my, you know, it's kind of sweet spot. So I don't know if your listeners you know what sweet spot is it's kind of yeah yeah they, they do and, and we can re- refer to episode 29 as well where i talked about that so yep uh, go on that's one of the yeah that's a big one that we use with athletes you know if you can get to the stage where you can sustain an hour at sweet spot then i'd say that you're pretty much bulletproof uh and it's that's that, that's a key set like that level three and the sweet spot area kind of 80 to 90 percent should be the core of most athletes programs uh, kind of micro tools, they're really good for you know like uh, in that top end, and they can be you know vary between anywhere between ten and thirty seconds. But they need to be kind of maximal efforts, uh, and doing you know building blocks of those anywhere, just depending on where you're starting yeah. off. It might be anywhere between ten minutes to up to you know you know even an hour. Uh, and again, you know recovery time, I would say that four to five minutes. There's a lot in that kind of area that you know you, you'll get significant improvements uh i suppose they're they're, they're the kind of the, the the two and then again 
uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say that that's the two elements that you, you, you can incorporate with in your training. And ideally, you want to have sets within your training that are going beyond the the uh, be, beyond the pace that you're going to race at, if that makes sense. And I think that's where a lot of people they, they they'll train at the pace that they're going to race at, or just a bit below it. But you need to try and progress. To progress, you need to go above that. Yeah. Uh, but and just not trying to do everything all at once. It's you know they, it's like we you know it's like for me I can make any triathlete get faster on the bike, but it's trying to get the the synergy of it all together if that makes sense with the the swim and the run. And that's yeah that that that's an art in itself. But yeah yeah. Okay, that, that's great. Those are great tips. And, and yeah, those short repeats that you mentioned there, we've had those come up before as well. And uh, and they they are, and there's quite good research on those as well, that they, they are really, really efficient. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest key is kind of, you need variety within your program. Don't just keep doing the same old stuff. Shock the body. You know, if you're tracking your data on training peaks, you see the outline, it keeps plateauing out then kind of, right, you need to probably recover and then sh- shock the body, you know, if you've run out of hours. You know, you've got to try, you know, the body's very clever, clever and it adapts to, you know, the same kind of training consistently. It, it adapts to it and you won't get progression. So if you've been doing it a long time and you're not seeing that progression, then you kind of need to shock it a little bit and then it doesn't know what's hit it. And then that's when you'll, you know, you'll gradually see the, 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 this progress. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, one more question before moving into the rapid fire questions. This is not particularly related to cycling, but I'm very interested in this topic myself. And I saw on your blog that you're using HRV on yourself, I believe, and on some of your athletes. So so what have you learned so far and, and how have you or your athletes benefited from using uh, HRV? Yeah, I think kind of, yeah, RA variability, it is very good. You know, I think for triathlon, it's really clever because what I never understood initially was, you know, it's like when you do that long run, you might feel recovered, but it's kind of the stress it's put your your body under. I don't think we understand that sometimes. So, you know, what we've, you know, what I found is by tracking my HRV, and then sometimes not necessarily doing that really hard session, then I'm less prone to getting ill. I can make sure that I'm more consistent within my training itself. Uh, and that's, I'd say that that's the biggest element that I've found from it. You know, you've got, and it, it is, you know, we use uh, an app called iAthlete. Uh, and I found yeah, that... Yeah, I, I, I use HRV for training myself just to give a, a couple of different options for anybody that wants to check any any app out. Yeah, there's loads of different apps. I'm, yeah, the, the one that I've used, but it does it does really, you know, it links into training peaks, this does as well. And it kind of, you know, on the performance management chart, it, you know, you, you, you can track it. But I, yeah, I definitely say it's been beneficial for, for myself and, and, and a few of the athletes that we work with in changing the plan around sometimes and kind of yeah i'd be i'd say it's very accurate in terms of you know like if i have it's telling me that i'm gonna get ill uh if i haven't you know like if i've said oh you know i don't believe that and i've trained generally i will pick something up so it's definitely something that's worth monitoring and i think you've just got to keep tracking it over time but yeah it's again it's another gain it's you know it's another 
one of these another marginal gain that you can use yeah it, it can help you recover and as we all know you don't get fitter from just training but you need to recover from that training and that's where hrv yeah. can help you yeah absolutely and that's the biggest you know that's the biggest element with training it's kind of consistency is key we can look at every different method of training and but it's kind of you've got to get consistency there and then that's when you'll get more form yeah yeah so just for reference for the listeners we had uh, dan plus on in episode 42 talking about hrv uh hrv is heart rate variability for those that are new to to this uh, which is uh, a kind of emerging metric that that's used to to measure recovery but go and check out episode 42 so uh, matt let's uh, roll into the rapid fire questions and uh, let's start with what's your favorite book blog or resource related to triathlon or cycling i don't uh, like quick rapid i don't really I don't, yeah i don't do that much reading uh blogs i i just follow loads of different people so i've not got a really a specific person or blog or or anything that i kind of enjoy <laughs> okay i like i like uh, following everything when, when somebody says that that they don't really have any favorite then i always uh, put the words in their mouth and say that well it's uh, this podcast then <laughs> absolutely there we go <laughs> let's go let's go with that uh what's your favorite piece of gear or equipment oh probably my giant bike um yeah my time trial bike yeah uh, i like tinkering with that and finally what's a personal habit that's helped you achieve success uh when you were an athlete just never giving in you know consistency uh mentally being strong uh that that's you know that's that you know that, that train the brain that's what i'd say it, what, what did you do to to train the brain and train the mental side when when you were uh, competing for me well i'm still going to compete you know it's kind of me i'm making a comeback uh you know next year but it's kind of uh, what did I focus on? I always focused on imp- you know improving myself. I always thought about my rivals uh, and just having a touching on something that's happened in your life. You know, like when you suffer it. For me, it was always just go into that real dark place. So I always touched on that. You know, uh, that, that that's how I could push myself. You know, I, I can see it in athletes now. You know, one of the things we always do is people we give them like intervals to failure and kind of it's you know you are going to fail at this but you can kind of gauge how strong somebody mentally is uh by you know they they get to a set number i don't want to say what those numbers are but i can always (laughs) kind of you know if they're listening then they'll be like oh right i've got to get to that for it to think you know i've progressed uh but that's a big one you know uh, I always find this intervals to failure. I can see the people that they might say they want to win like a national or a, you know, like a, a, a big race, but it's whether mentally they can do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, it does be on your barriers. yeah yeah it does and uh yeah that's a whole topic uh on itself that we we can talk about another day but it's uh interesting to hear your uh your take on it with your background in in elite uh sports so if listeners want to learn more about you your website is uh matt bottrell performance coaching.com yes and uh you got twitter instagram facebook we'll have them all in uh, in the show notes oh, that's really kind of you yeah yeah and uh is there anything else that you want to mention before we 
Oh, no, just thanks for having me on. You know, we've got, uh, yeah, it's great, great to touch base. You know, I'm kind of, uh, yeah, I love the sport of triathlon. It's great. You know, I, I've just done it for two years myself. I'm not going to be doing triathlon next year, but there's so many great people. And I've, I think, you know, I've learned so much from it, you know, in the time that I've done it. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, and uh, and let's hope that uh, all the UK listeners, there are uh, quite a few of them. I I can tell you that. Let's hope that they check you out and and maybe maybe come in for a, a bike fit and or a consultation or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we've got like we have we've got six coaches, so we've got kind of a array of people with different. Uh, oh, I'm not sure what the word is, but uh, especially you know especially in specific areas. So yeah, get in touch. Brilliant. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Matt Bottrell. Thanks for taking the time, Matt. No worries. Thank you for having me. So that was quite a doozy, wasn't it? I really, really found that had some really incredibly valuable points that uh, I wasn't aware of before. And yeah, it uh, you can tell that uh, Matt is a class act. Uh, he was a class act in his uh, tri- time trialing days and now in his coaching. Uh, this uh, interview definitely shows you that as well. And for all of the show notes from this episode, you can go to thattriathlonshow.com. And uh, I want to give you a quick takeaway. I've been pretty bad at doing these recently uh, just because the interviews tend to run a bit long and uh, I'm aware of your precious time and I don't want to make these episodes go on for too long. But this time it was a bit shorter so I can afford to spend a minute elaborating. And I think that Matt's point about uh, wasting time with uh, junk miles or junk minutes by training that was a good one, and one that hasn't come up uh, too much recently, at least, on the show. So I wanted to bring that up as the main, uh, or one of the most uh, interesting points from this episode. And doing a lot of sweet spot work, that's something that, uh, for example, Trainer Road are big on doing that. And you can go to episode 39 to hear Chad Timmerman from Trainer Road, or 38, I believe it was, sorry. I'll link to that in the show notes as well to hear him talk about the importance of sweet spot training. And uh, yes, for those age groupers that uh, that are time crunched, which is most, uh, if you are training, you are on the bike two times per week. I definitely agree with Matt. That's something that I use in my coaching as well. This time of year, maybe some sort of technical work, but uh, very soon it will be not any sort of junk miles, but but really going into, into that sweet spot kind of work and trying to build build your bike fitness uh, from that that way so uh, yeah that that was my main takeaway from from this episode and but there are many more and you can find them on that on the show notes page one more thing i've been really happy recently that a number of people have been sharing the podcast on twitter and facebook and it really has made a significant impact in download numbers actually after the stefan guiane episode in episode 73 I had the biggest ever download day for the podcast, so I was very pleased with that fist bumping and doing all sorts of of noises when when I saw the download numbers the following day. So that was cool, and uh, just know that you make me very happy when you when you share the podcast, and it really helps a lot. Uh, so uh, please do that if you enjoy it and you have friends that might enjoy it. Go ahead and share this podcast. That's one of the best ways that you can help if you feel that the podcast has helped you and, and want to pay it back in a little way. 
And finally, thank you to Precision Hydration for supporting this podcast. Go and take, take their free online sweat test on precisionhydration.com to get a personalized hydration strategy for your next race and use the discount code DATTRIATHLONSHOW, all one word, for 15% off any purchases. And again, check out that hydration preloading blog post that's linked up down below in the show notes. Thank you as always for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlons.